Hey crew, before we get started today, I wanted to let you know that the initiative that we talked about on last week's show with Tay Phoenix, Trek the Vote, is still going on. If you want to get involved in our democracy, if you want to volunteer as a poll worker or assisting voters getting their votes out and continuing our proud tradition of democracy, you can do that at trekthe.vote on the internet. Go check that out. On the show today, once again, I'm joined by Mikan Hanna to talk about a great episode of DS9. Mikan Hanna is the host of the Sailor New—I always screw that up—Sailor Noob podcast, a podcast all about Sailor Moon and Japanese culture. You can find that on Twitter and Instagram at noob underscore sailor. Uh, as we usually do when she's on the show, uh, we talked way too much and cut uh, quite a lot of the conversation out. Uh, and a lot of funny stuff and a lot of just our musings on uh, pop culture and Star Trek, which you can normally hear on our podcast, the Just Enough Trope podcast, which I encourage you to check out at Just Enough Trope on Twitter or JustEnoughTrope.com. If you want to hear all the parts that are cut out, you can always do that on our Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash E-I-S-T-P-O-D, where we've got outtakes and extra content from recording sessions with guests, also live shows and a lot more. For just a dollar a month, you can become a member of the crew and get access to enterprising individuals' extra content. So check that out at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. I had a lot of fun talking with Mikan Hana about Goldacott. I hope you enjoy our talk. Here it is. With that, let's get underway. Hailing Frequencies Open, and welcome to Enterprising Individuals, the Star Trek discussion podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about the series, characters, and stories of the Star Trek universe. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and attention Bajoran workers, random searches will now be 50% more random. I'm joined on this episode. I'm joined on this episode once again by Mika Hanna. Mika is the host of the Sailor Noob podcast, an exploration for experts and newcomers of the fashion, food, and culture of the classic anime series Sailor Moon. She's also the co-host of the Just Enough Trope podcast, and she's a frequent guest on Star Trek Discoverage. Mika, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you back aboard. Good to be here. Today we'll be talking about Indiscretion, the fourth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Ducat was right. Ducat did nothing wrong. Ducat was a good guy. Oh, no. Fire up the Google machine and you'll find a seemingly endless number of posts from impassioned Trek fans who are desperate to explain to you why Gull Ducat is not the monster you think he is and how his (laughs) actions, however unpalatable, were working to the public good. Ducat was undoubtedly a capable administrator, inarguably an accomplished military leader, and certainly resourceful, and those are all desirable qualities, if you can overlook all the civilian deaths. (laughs) We live in a time where our supply of empathy is at an all-time low, and people regularly confuse cruelty for strength, and those Mm. two failings underpin not only the brutal years of the Cardassian occupation of Bajor, but nearly every political, ethnic, and economic conflict of our current age. 
Dukat is a fun villain to jeer at, but also a war criminal who is serially unfaithful to his wife and who works continually to justify the motivations behind and effects of the murders and injustices of his administration. That's not a good guy. And as his fate (laughs) and the fates of many dictators reveal, the ends never justify the means. But we'll talk about that a little later in the show. But first, Mikan Hana, it's great to have you back on the show. And it has been a while since you were on the show yes. to talk about a Trek episode. Yes. I think the last time was in season two. Is that right? Yeah. We talked about Imaginary Whoa. Friend. Yeah, I, re- I remember oh, that oh, one. Oh, no. Priscilla, or whatever her name was. <laughs> I don't even remember what her oh, name is. Oh, she's making a chair float. I think the only, now that you mention that, I think that the only episodes I've talked about um, on enterprising individuals um, uh, have been TNG episodes. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's time to mix that up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A chair float is a chair and root beer, by the way. <laughs> Um, well, the reason that th- that's probably true is that you, you know, were most familiar with TNG. Well, that's true. Just to emphasize how long it's been, uh, on that episode, we talked about how you just finished a full watch of DS9, and we talked about your thoughts on it. Yes. Since then, you've not yes. only completed a full watch of Voyager as well, yes. but you're plowing through Enterprise, too. That is uh, that is correct. I am working my way through all of the Trek series, and I'm going to... Do I graduate from Starfleet Academy once that's done? I what think, happens? Yeah, well, yeah. Do then, I get a pip? And then your uh, your cadet cruise is uh, right. an animated series. Right, and, right, right. Uh, you've already got time released uh, for serve or uh, early release for time served <laughs> as far as the CBS Trek shows go. So. Yeah. Um. So wow. Yeah, that really has it. Really has been a while then. Um. Yeah. Um. I'm. So I'm. Watching the, I'm in the middle of the the second season now of Enterprise, yeah, and um, I think the show has a bad rap. You keep waiting for it to get bad, don't you? I do. Yeah, I really do. And yeah. I'm looking around, and, and I'm bad. like, no, it will. <laughs> I'm sure it will, <laughs> but, it, but it, it hasn't yet. I, I'm sure it will. Um, I mean, there are episodes that are not great. Yeah, but. Overall, I think it's pretty great. And like I saw, I saw like I'm uh, uh, in, a, in a couple of Star Trek groups online and like um, this one is not an Enterprise focused one. And they, somebody brought up they were talking about Enterprise and they were like uh, somebody said something about how the crew is xenophobic. And I don't OK, I don't really understand that. I mean, what is your view on that? I don't I guess I don't know why. They would say that um, I'm uh, watching Enterprise as well and um, getting it all, trying to complete a whole viewing of it and get it in my mind. And the only thing I can think of is I was watching an episode recently and Mm -hmm. I was thinking about, um, I think it was, um, is it called Singularity? It's an episode where they want to check out a black hole, but for some reason the black hole has crazy rays and it affects all the humans on the ship and also just the Denobulin because we need the doctor to be knocked out. Right. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, this isn't a situation where there'd be, uh, you know, oh, there's an Andorian ensign who can, like, take over or something. Because everybody on, this is an Earth ship. Everybody on the ship is a human. So I don't, it's not like, I don't think that the show goes out of its way to say, like, oh, boy, these aliens so dumb. We're just seeing it through the lens of characters who aren't as evolved as Kirk and Picard yet. But at the same time, right. Jonathan Archer would never, 
you know, he makes decisions all the time to like protect, you know, um, races that they that they're just met uh, or and, to respect yeah. them. And then sometimes it's like, geez, these Thalassians or whatever, they want us to like stand on our heads and, and do all this stuff. And it's just right. really annoying. But right. I haven't run into like out and out uh, human chauvinism yet. I haven't either, so I just I don't I kind of wonder where that there's comes some from. there's some regular chauvinism. <laughs> I think the show is a little yeah, broy. It it is, and I don't think that um, it is definitely a little broy, and I don't think that Hoshi and Tapal necessarily always get to do things. I mean, especially Hoshi, if I'm really honest, they they just yeah. Like, why couldn't I love I love Tapal, I love Trip, but flip it. Okay. What if like. A Zahn type character was the Vulcan representative, and then Trip was like, was a girl, was a was uh-huh, a woman. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. That would. I mean, that would. So like Archer and Trip things. have been friends for a long time, but just like platonic friends, like they, yeah. just, you know, they didn't get together or anything. And then you can do everything that is coming up in the show. Still, it's just there. It's just sort of flipped. Yeah. I mean, I think that would make it more interesting for sure. Um, and, uh, and also, like... I'm from, I'm from Pensacola, Florida, or whatever. <laughs> but it's a girl. <laughs> she likes wrenching on stuff, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that no, wasn't the vision. Right. That um, wasn't the vision of of Brandon Braga and Rick Berman, who maybe see themselves as Archer and Trip. Um, I mean... Which it's is which. Yeah, right. It's entirely possible. Um, do you think that, like, we're... Like the hate from Enterprise is is just like uh, people have an idea in their minds of what hmm. it's going to be like or yeah. a- and then they just are like, yeah, I don't like this or they've already decided I'm not going to like this. So they don't like it and they're looking for things. I th- Yeah, I think after, you know, the, the uh, sort of sweeping epic of DS9 and the people are already mad kind of about Voyager, but like the um, the action thrills of Voyager and like expanding the universe of Trek and the Borg and all that. Mm-hmm. You get this kind of stripped down back to basic show. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think people were unsatisfied with that. I That's one of the reasons I like Enterprise. I like the fact that the transporter can't solve everything, that they don't have replicators, that just being like the episode where they're trying to get the mine off their ship. Can you imagine them doing that on the Enterprise D? No, they but would the just the fact take that they don't have it, some yeah. wand that they can't wave, yeah, to just take care of it. Um yeah, I just uh, yeah, I think it's I think that it slows things down a lot. Usually mm-hmm. in a good way. Sometimes they forget to write extra material in yeah. to make it interesting. Right. Um now all all shows, mostly streaming shows, they're all crazily overwritten and there's just too much stuff and it's like, fine, fine. Every character's got a speech every episode. Not always necessary. But I think maybe if you took some of that and put it back into Enterprise and gave them... Because this like um, the, the Singularity episode I was talking about is like their naked time. It's like they're where they all kind yeah. of go crazy. And I was thinking about the fact that I like these characters, but I don't think we know enough about these characters yet to make them going crazy mean anything. Yes. And it's funny because The Naked Time is like the sixth episode, I it's think. It's really early on. Of the on. first of, yeah. of uh, TOS. Yeah. And yet we still kind of like have a feeling for the, those characters already that when they're running around and being crazy, it like kind of makes sense. Right. Right. And and I think I think you're right about that. And I think maybe maybe that's another reason why people don't like it is they don't feel like they have a really good sense of who these characters are. But, but I do like that it is um, 
stripped down and I like that this is this is pre-federation and they're just they're just kind of like astronauts in a way and that there's such an emphasis on we're exploring and I mean yeah that's always a part of Star Trek they're explorers they're boldly going where nobody has gone before they're 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 trying to make connections and have these new experiences yeah I love the fact that they pull up to every planet like Hey, what's going on? They're like, ding dong. My name's John. I'm from Earth. Yeah, right. And the aliens are like, point your you? guns. Got what's them. Earth? Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> They're like, whoa, sorry. And I know. Highly ho, neighbor. Yeah, exactly. We're, and, the, we're the Flanders of the, the galaxy, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And it helps, too, that he's got his dog, who is <laughs> incredibly adorable, yeah. and, and two great dog actors, I learned. Yeah. Uh, so, um, does everything on cue. Don't, don't feed Porthos cheese. Um, but... <laughs> Um, but I think that that helps too, because he, he, I think that helps you give you a a clue into like Archer's character, you know? Yeah. Um, and then also his, his relationship with his dad and, uh, who his dad was. If we ever saw Picard talk to his fish, he would seem immediately 25% more human. Right. But instead, like they, they clearly went like, we got to give, you know, Archer will have a dog and that way we'll see him just interacting with his cherished pet as a normal person, in addition to having to represent all of humanity and solve all these terrible problems that we've never faced before. Right. Well, now that we wasted all our time talking about Enterprise, give me like a five-word summary of your enjoyment of Voyager. Oh, okay. My enjoyment of Voyager in in a a how many words summary? Five? (laughs) Um... I love Janeway. I think, I mean, who doesn't? I mean, but uh, I guess that's my biggest takeaway from um, from Voyager. I do really like um, the crew as a whole. Yeah. Um, I I like, you know, that they're 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 forced to go to this uh, to the Delta Quadrant, and the whole thing is them getting home. I kind of think that sometimes that gets lost, and that we could have explored that maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Um, at times or like maybe they tried to because there's not really an effort to make lasting relationships with anybody. They don't, they want to leave a good impression. But yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but I think that that's really hard to do. So sometimes it's like hard to track. But overall, I think I I, um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I like um, uh, another big takeaway for me is like I, I really enjoy uh, Seven of Nine. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I like Tuvok and Balana a lot as well. Yeah. Um, some, some characters I'm like not super keen on. Like I'm not really a huge stand from, for Chakotay. Um, (laughs) but, um, you know, um, I think it's his first name. Yeah. Stan, right? (laughs) Right. Um, I, uh, (laughs) I think that maybe outside of, of uh, Captain Kirk, I think Captain Janeway is probably the the ultimate like Starfleet officer, like the Ur yeah. officer, the person that was born to do it. Yes, Picard, does, you know, he gets the job done, but he always seems like more of a philosopher or a diplomat who is sort of he is required to go places and chart gaseous anom- anomalies sometimes or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But he's really there for the diplomatic purpose. Mm-hmm. And Cisco is a guy who he's not really like a administrator for a for a station that's not really his thing but he but he figures it out Mm -hmm. um and then becomes the man for the moment when this war starts like he's that's really what his yes his strength is 
And Archer's just this like explorer and just this kind of like heroic romantic guy who is probably the best guy for us to send out, even though he's not always aware of the sort of political and, you know, social minefields that he ends up tripping through. Yeah. I mean, he's like super optimistic and uh, wants to put the his best foot forward and everything. So, I mean, I think that's a good guy to represent you. Yeah. On your, your maiden voyage, so to speak. Yeah. And he's the representative of the 20th century or the 22nd century mm-hmm. of Earth. Like mm-hmm. if you, you know, yeah, it'd be great if we could just stick Picard's ancestor, you know, in charge of the NX-01 or something like that. Right. But this, but this is the guy we've got. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think we figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Sailor Noob, I almost said yes. Sailor Moon. It's Easy Sailor Noob, show about Sailor Moon. Yes. Uh, you talk about not only the show Sailor Moon, but also the the cultural elements of the show. And as a as a show, it's weird because, you know, when you think of anime, you think of giant swords or you think of uh, scantily clad ninjas or something like yes. that. And, giant robots. And Sailor Moon is like, is crazy in that way because it's got like monsters and superheroes and things like that. But it's set in a very recognizable real world Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And there are elements to the show that are just pieces slices of everyday life you know from from yeah. uh, from japanese life absolutely um at the time when it was made the 90s or whatever yes. but also things that persist till now yeah um do you have you run into a lot of misconceptions from people about the show sailor moon like they expect it to be one way uh and it's something else or or japanese culture like we don't they pee in like holes what are there are there toilets like <laughs> um that's a really good question i i think that there i maybe what i've run into uh the most that i've had the most experience with is maybe uh misconceived perceptions about the show itself hmm. and what what it is about or the, the, the things that it actually presents, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like, um, you know, on the tin, what does it look like? Right. It's like, it, it's like a magical girl, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and her friends. <laughs> yeah. And there's like, also there's a cat that has a crescent moon on its forehead. Right. So you're, you're like, okay, but I, I, I got no idea what this is. I have no idea like what this is going to deal with that sort of thing. Um, Honestly, um, the, the thing that, that came to my mind is uh, the first time I showed this to my best friend, mm-hmm. I, I had no idea how she was going to react. Um, I had recently or not that long before that um, tried showing her Star Wars for the first time. That did not go well. No, <laughs> That was the least. Uh, she hates Star Wars. <laughs> She thinks Chewbacca is a walking carpet. Well, wow. Um, She's got something in common with one of the characters in Star Wars. Yeah. And we actually had like this huge fight because um, I told her beforehand at the time, I thought that Luke Skywalker was really whiny and I didn't really like him. I I've since have changed my opinion about that. But, you know, in the first film, he he is he's young and he, he doesn't really know what's going on. And yeah. he complains a lot. Yeah. Um, so she knew this was going to bug me, but she like looked at me and was all like, oh, I really like that Luke Skywalker though. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) And so I like wouldn't talk to her for several hours. Um, but (laughs) anyways, um, so she was like, Sailor Moon, what is this? And she was like, whatever. And then she like the way she talks about it, like she was like, before I knew it, 
within like before the end of the first episode you somehow tricked me into liking it (laughs) (laughs) like she was like making fun of it she's like what is this yeah and then she she just she's like a huge sailor moon fan she wrote what's in this glass you gave me i know i like this show now yeah exactly she's written (laughs) sailor moon fanfic uh so yeah um so that's a good example. Uh- <laughs> yeah. In exploring Japanese culture as it's depicted in the show, um, what's what's your favorite like cultural fact or, or something that you've unlearned uh, unlearned that you've learned by uh, by researching the oh, culture? Wow, um, my favorite cultural fact, and there's so many. Um, I think that's one of the things that I really like about doing the show is because. Um, uh, you know, it was my first anime that I I started watching, and that got me interested in Japan. Yeah, and but I'm still doing the research for the show. I'm doing a lot more in depth um, research uh, than I did, you know, as like a teen. Like, well, what is they they ate this? What is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is that food? What is it made out of? Um. So, um, we. Did a show recently where we um, talked about um, uh, basically uh, the the um, afterlife hmm. of uh, in uh, Shintoism and Buddhism. Sure, um, and I th- I think that that was really fascinating. And I mean, Shintoism is like specific to Japan, right? But Buddhism is like found like all over, and so it's like really hard to kind of try to pair that down. this is the japanese the teriyaki flavor of buddhism right right and and it's like maybe there's even like a different i'm sure there's different like you know versions of buddhism like that are um practiced even within japan itself but yeah. it's like well this is like kind of what most japanese people seem to believe like this is what happens when you when you die <laughs> you, you, and, you cross a river right in one of three places Ex- exactly <laughs> and depending on on your how bad your karma was in life and do you like snakes yeah right exactly <laughs> how about demons um yeah. and like, yeah. and then the way your clothes and like yeah right right so um yeah, I think that's probably one of my favorites that I've learned so far. Well, that's cool. Yeah. You learn about an anime and also about a, uh, a fascinating culture. Yeah, exactly. Well, where can people check out Sailor Noob if they want to do that? Yeah, we are, um, you can search Sailor Noob wherever you uh, find podcasts. We're also on Facebook at uh, at Sailor Noob and uh, at on Twitter and Instagram at Noob underscore Sailor. Cool. Yes. Why did you choose this specific episode, Indiscretion, to discuss today? Okay. So um, I picked this episode largely because uh, Kira is probably one of my favorite um, characters from, from DS9. But I was thinking about it. She's probably one of my favorite Trek characters. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of all, t- all of time. And, and I also <laughs> love to hate Dukat. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, as a villain, I find him very fascinating because we do like in this episode find out things about him like maybe he's not pure evil sort of thing yeah um i mean obviously like you said before he's not really a good guy but i think it makes villains more interesting um if they're not 
painted as like completely evil and well, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> All characters are more interesting the more human they become. True. Uh, or sorry, I'm being too enterprise here. The more, <laughs> uh, I don't know, three-dimensional they become. Yes. Um, the more Cardassian they become. Yes. So I picked this episode because um, it, it's a good episode for, for both characters. And and I like um, that, uh, you know, that, that the, the, Kira is forced to work with him yeah. on this mission. She absolutely does not want to do it. Um, well, I, would you want to take a long car ride with Hitler? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, I completely understand where she's coming from. And I like that they both want to, to find this ship. Because there are people that they that they cared about who were on it, yeah, um, and that we, you know, and they want to find out what happened to them, obviously, um, and that they've probably both been keeping this on the back of their minds for like it's been like I think they said six years, yeah, um, and I also like that Ducat acts as if his interest on in this mission is purely because he was in charge of the Ravenock, and is it the Ravenock? Or the Ravenock. I feel like I'm saying it wrong. The it's the Ravenock. I, I think Ravenock. Okay. There's something's lost in translation. Maybe. Yeah. Um. But I, I I like that he's like oh oh so so your interest is is personal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. all right, judge. They were my troops and my duty. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm responsible for them. Yeah. And, yeah. People, boy, that's just something that he is so good at. Um trying to reframe his past, trying to reframe his wow. actions, you know, yeah. as something positive. And I don't know why. I mean, I think you can appreciate that. And maybe every once in a while, a fun kind of trollish post about how Ducat was the real hero of DS9. Hey, listen, listen. Let me tell yeah, you something. Yeah, right, but right. The way that, but that's not, the way that people slobber over Ducat really mystifies me. And you've even got characters like like the he's like a romantic figure. Like people ship him with people oh, or something. Oh, let's not open that can of oh, worms. Okay, <laughs> let's not open that drawer of spoons. Let's okay. not do that. Whoa. Uh, no, I mean just the way and I and I can like I have a picture in my mind of the people who are writing these posts, you know, and they are uniformly uh, the same giant nerds mm-hmm. uh, who for some reason have. Uh, picked Ducat as a as a heroic figure when he fails nearly every challenge that's given him. This is he probably really the one. This is probably the one success that he has in the entire series, which is to not murder his own daughter. Right. Um, but every other time that he is given a choice to do something, it's almost always the wrong choice. Yeah. And I that's don't. Accurate. And I don't know how that creates. A figure for hero worship. I mean, if you want somebody to do dirty things, you got Cisco. You know, if you want yes. somebody who can justify things and use words, you've got Picard. And and every one of our characters finds themselves. This is Star Trek, so these are pretty clean characters, but they mm-hmm. find themselves in compromising positions. You know, um, yeah. like Thomas Riker. Do you know what I mean? He's a yeah. badass with fake fake side beard uh <laughs> but uh but yeah but the way that they look at Ducat and like it's i don't know it, it starts off as a meme or a joke and then yeah. it ends up you know you're literally arguing on a uh, quora or something like that about how <laughs> Ducat was the real hero of the series and i don't i just, I just don't understand um like i said i love Remember that, that time he started a cult 
Yes. But it was like, I almost picked that episode. It was a sex cult. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? I almost picked that episode. <laughs> what a so, hero. What a uh, hero. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I, I know, right? Um, It's. Yeah, it's unimaginable. And to that me. was that was probably I mean, except for um, him, you know, using religion to manipulate uh, young women into sleeping with him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This guy's got a, he's he's got a lust that do- doesn't quit. That is apparent. But yes. except for that, and maybe there is no except for that. I'm willing to accept that. Uh, yeah. That's probably like the least damage. If we had just except for the part where he turned it into a suicide cult at the end. If we had just left him on. Were they on Empak Nar? If we just left them Can't over remember. on the other station Maybe, yeah. and he's just having a surf and safari with a bunch of like uh, Bajoran atheists, uh, which is a nonprofit organization. <laughs> uh, maybe that was fine, you know? But uh, of course, Kira gets wrapped up in it and then yeah. uh, it becomes uh, Jonestown and that's bad news. So yeah, yes. so he could even ruin like a free love commune. Oh, he could ruin anything. Yeah. I am convinced of that. So yeah. I, I just like, you know, I, I know. <laughs> I love to hate him, but he is not the hero. He of ruined DS9. being a pirate. I know, <laughs> All he had to do was right? just be a pirate, and he couldn't. He couldn't even do that. No, like there are so many other characters in that show who who are heroes or who you could consider to be a hero, and are also behind. super conflicted. If that's what you need to get your engine I mean, look re- at Revan. look at Garrick. Yeah. who I well, love. Well, people love Garrick too, but just don't tell those guys that he's straight or that he's uh, not straight. Yeah, I know, right? Because uh, same guys. I know. Right? Also writing super long posts. Yeah, right. About exactly. how he was totally getting it on with Zial. It's like get over it. Well, guys. let's just get into it. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about the DS9 episode, Indiscretion, the fourth episode of the fourth season, the hot hot season. <laughs> Fourth season is full of bangers. Yeah. You know, just this first part. Like yes. just, it's just hit after hit. Episode four. Yeah. Uh, this episode aired first on October 23rd of 1995. The teleplay for the episode is by Nicholas Correa, who wrote three episodes of Dar- Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Voyager put together. He uh, pitched the story of Hippocratic Oath. Uh, of course, he wrote the teleplay for this episode, and he also wrote the episode Prototype. Okay. He got to start writing for the CBS series The Incredible Hulk in the 70s. Nice. And went on to write for series like Airwolf, Street Hawk, and Walker, Te- Texas Ranger. Uh, he was also a good friend of Ducat actor Mark Alimo, apparently. Really? That's what I read. Interesting. And he passed away in 1999. Oh, okay. It's, so not that long after this air. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he got to see it air, I guess. Uh, the story for the episode is by Tony Marbury and Jack Trevino. Marbury and Trevino also pitched the story for the DS9 episode, Little Green Men, which aired later in this season. Mm. Not my favorite, but oh, uh, a favorite of many. Is that the one where... That's the Roswell one. Yeah. yeah. Where all the Ferengi characters the Area 51 are, or, or are like, yeah, they think that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not a very good that's one. That's fun. It's okay. It's fun. Meh. Uh, don't hate us because we don't like it. Uh, those two episodes <laughs> are Marbury's only writing credits, but Trevino went on to write for several other fan productions like Starship Farragut, Star Trek Continues, and the Renegades series. The episode was directed by LeVar Burton, who we have, of course, talked about on the show before. Yay, suffice it to LeVar. say, <laughs> Suffice it to say that he directed 29 episodes of Trek in all. Wow. This is his first DS9 episode that he directed. He'd go on to direct nine more. Um, Who is, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, who is the Star Trek actor who has directed the most Star Trek episodes? You always do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is it LeVar? Frequent listeners to Justin um, of Trump. Oh, or, no, um, I always ask questions that I, I don't have uh, the answer uh, to. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, 29's high. 
It's very hot. I didn't see any declaration that it was him, but I'd be willing to bet that it was him. Uh-huh. But of course, Roxanne Dawson is way up there. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not sure that Frakes is that because he was directing movies and stuff. So I don't yeah. think that he's in the running, but it could be Burton. Okay. Could be. Okay. Uh, solid, capable director. Always hasn't like his he, episodes. Yes. Hasn't he done some for Discovery also? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, thought, I, I thought he I had. I, don't know. <laughs> I will zip my lips. Did you, did you see? <laughs> he doesn't act that much anymore, but he did appear in an episode of Weird City which was a Jordan Peele show, oh. a sci-fi anthology show that appeared on YouTube Premium. So no one's seen it. I did not know that that was even a thing. But it was re- well-reviewed, and it seemed like in the vein of the, you know, um, Electric Dreams, uh, oh. Black Mirror type yeah. thing. You know, what if technology but bad? Okay, I I mean, I wouldn't say no to seeing it, but um, I well, haven't seen you it. Get YouTube Premium. Yeah, Right, that's Never. not going to happen. Yeah, that, <laughs> as Kira says, that'll be the day. Yeah, right. The There is no star date given for this episode, as is fairly common for DS9 episodes, but it is, of course, taking place in 2372. And your assignment, Mika, if you can, is to give us a 25-word synopsis of indiscretion. Oh, gosh, do I have to actually count? Um, Kira finds out... That uh, a ship carrying Bajoran prisoners uh, years ago during the war has been found, and she has to work with Ducat to find it. How many is that? I don't know. I lost track. <laughs> um, it was. It that was, seemed really close. It, I think that was close. That seemed really close. It was. It was over fifteen. But, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> I only go to 15 and then yeah, I, I stopped. Don't forget the 10 more. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, here's some interesting facts from the memory banks about this episode. The basic plot of the episode is very similar to the 1956 film The Searchers, directed by John Ford. In the film, John Wayne plays a Civil War veteran who goes searching for his niece, played by Natalie Wood, who was abducted by Comanches years prior. He's accompanied on his journey by his adoptive nephew, played by original Christopher Pike actor Jeffrey Hunter. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That was kind of like one of the things that they were considering when they hired him for this, because he had been in this. He'd been in, um, I think it was before. It might have been after The Cage, but he was in a movie where he played Jesus. And so he had a little movie career going on, but then um, maybe not so much. And so he's maybe looking for some TV stuff. And uh, they got him for Star Trek. Uh, The movie is a favorite of many of the writers on DS9, and the film is referenced directly in the seventh season episode, It's Only a Paper Moon, which I talked about previously on the show Mm -hmm. with one of the episode's writers, David Mack. Uh, In that scene, in that episode, uh, Vic and uh, Nog are watching um, Shane. And uh, Shane, which which is a a Paramount production. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) So they can show it. Right. And then at the end of the scene, they're like, I like the searchers better. (laughs) <laughs> so, which is a Warner Brothers production. So, okay. Whoa. Bite that hand. Okay. Bite it. All right. Uh, that's insane. He's clearly still suffering from his PTSD because uh, <laughs> Shane is way better than The Searchers. I've never seen The Searchers. Although The Searchers so. is a classic. Okay. Uh, it's also not aged real well. Oh, okay. A lot of... I, I can't... It's been a while since I've seen it, uh, but the Indians are, are not... Uh, they're not depicted very sensitively. Okay. All right. So 
Watch that one before it's canceled and gone forever. Uh, there's been a few changes in Cardassian society since we've really dug into it in previous episodes. Um, after the presumed destruction of the Obsidian Order, in the third season episode, The Die is Cast, the Detapa Council, uh, which is the figurehead civilian government on Cardassia, is actually like running things now. They actually have power. So we see the council in the premiere episode of this season, The Way of the Warrior, and Dukat has been installed as the chief military advisor for the council. So always just moving up, mm-hmm. upwardly mobile. Yeah. Uh, he's also been promoted to Legate from Gull. So this is Legate Dukat that we're seeing in the episode. Oh, I didn't remember that. It's not mentioned in dialogue, though. Oh, okay. Okay. And this is really the only time, I think, because as soon as he brings Yal back, he gets he demoted. He gets demoted. So, oh, okay. So wow. only sharp-eyed viewers will notice his um, new insignia, like his Legate patch. Interesting. Huh, okay. I, I didn't catch My that. My mom had a Legate patch when I was growing up at home. <laughs> Get the bunnies out of it. Let's talk about the guest stars in the episode. Penny Johnson appears, of course, as Cassidy Yates. She appeared on many episodes of DS9 as Cassidy. She first appeared in the Trek franchise in the seventh season TNG episode, Homeward. That's the one with uh, Paul Sorvino. And he's trying to kidnap all the aliens and put them on a ship. God, I don't transport them. That. It's Worf's brother. Worf's brother. Okay. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> wow. Wow. I know. <laughs> I bet Paramount was really proud to get Paul Servino for that episode. I know, right? You don't even remember. It's I know. A, it's not a very good episode. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Johnson Johnson is an incredibly prolific film and TV actress, having supporting roles on The Larry Sanders Show. Uh, and when I say supporting, I mean like series long, you know, yeah. front to back. Uh, 24, uh, she played um, President Palmer's uh, wife, the first lady. Okay. Uh, Castle, and she's a regular on the Orville now. Mm-hmm. Mark Alimo appears as Legate Ducat. Yes. Alimo got a start on TV in the early 70s with a guest role on the daytime soap The Doctors. He would go on to many guest roles on 70s and 80s series, as well as appearing in supporting roles in films such as Tango and Cash and Total Recall. <laughs> I didn't realize he, you probably have, I've, it's probably been pointed out to me. That he's in those, but I, I don't can't remember. remember. I don't remember him in Tango and Cash. Um, I don't either. He's either a cop or an inmate, and I think probably a cop in some of the cop scenes. Yeah. But I know that he is um, in the two weeks scene. We see him. He's like the leader of the Cohagen's uh, guards. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. His first appearance in the TNG franchise was an uncredited role as Badar Ndudud. In the first season TNG episode, Lonely Among Us, he plays this guy who has like this weird lion head alien mask. Okay. And he's not even credited. Uh, He has the distinction of playing the first significant representations of two alien races on TNG. Hmm. First as Tabak the Romulan in the first season TNG episode, The Neutral Zone. And again as Gul Maset, the Cardassian, in the fourth season TNG episode, The Wounded. Okay. Alimo's distinctive neck influenced the design of the Cardassian makeup. Michael, huh. Makeup supervisor Michael Westmore based the race's neck ridges on Alimo's stately neck. Very nice. That's a that's a really cool uh, piece of of Trek trivia. Um, apparently, yeah, his nickname is the Neck. Apparently, so. <laughs> shh, shh, you guys, the Neck is coming. Mark the Neck, Alimo. <laughs> Roy Brocksmith appears as Raska Karn. Brocksmith first appeared in the Trek franchise in the second season TNG episode, Peak Performance, as Kolrami, the Stratagema expert. That's the guy that Data busts up at the table. They're playing a little thumb, the little thumb game. It's like uh, like Risk or whatever. Sure. 
Uh, Brocksmith died in 2001, but he packed a lot of life and work into his short years, beginning his career on Broadway and going on to appear in many TV shows and films like Stardust Memories, The Hudsucker Proxy, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and Tango and Cash and Total Recall. What? Crazy. He is the guy who comes to Quaid in the, right before the beginning of the third act, and he's like, you're in a dream, Mr. Quaid. You know, take this pill, and then okay. you'll wake up. Okay, gotcha. And then he shoots him in the face. <laughs> As you do. And That's... then spits the pill on him. Come on, Quaid. <laughs> That's the insult to go with the injury. But yeah, he's um he's just one of those guys. He's he's a that guy. You'll you immediately yeah. know when you see him, yeah. That's so crazy that both him and um Mark were in the same <laughs> it's 1988. Yeah, I right. need some extras. Yeah, <laughs> so right? Some guest players, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sia Batten appears as Zial. This is the first appearance of Zial in the series. Batten would again portray Zial in the episode Return to Grace, although she would be recast twice with actresses Tracy Middendorf and Melanie Smith in subsequent appearances. Batten would go on to play the character Irina in the seven-season Voyager episode Drive, as well as the Orion Navarre in the fourth-season Enterprise episode Bound. Batten huh. is a model and dancer as well as an actress, having appeared in films like Charlie Wilson's War, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, and Charlie Brown in the... I don't know, I was trying to think of a third Charlie Brown thing. <laughs> and she's had various guest roles on TV. She was also a founding member of the burlesque dance troupe and recording group, The Pussycat Dolls. What? Though she left the group before the release of their debut album, PCD. What? That's crazy. Left too soon. Yeah. Um... That's really interesting Her to me. Her and Carmen Electra are like, we, we got better, bigger fish to fry. Yeah, right. Um, that's really interesting to me that that she was she was recast, obviously, and that role was recast twice. And yeah. I, I knew that, which is, you know, okay. I didn't know that she appeared as Zial a second time. Yeah. But then it's... Return to Grace is the one that's kind of a sequel to this one because it sticks uh, Dukat and uh, Kira together again. Mm-hmm. And that's the one where they're on the freighter uh, fighting the Klingons. And at the end of that, that's when Ducat's like, I'm going to be a pirate. Come with me, Kira. Uh-huh. She's like, what? And she's no. like, no. No, in fact, I'm going to take your daughter yeah. to TS9 and take care of her because you clearly don't care about her. Right. You hero, you. <laughs> but it, but it's weird that she then like was recast as different characters in Voyager and Enterprise. So Oh, it's they, all the time that happens. Yeah, but so they liked her. So why... Yeah. So why was she recast in the first well, place? Well, yeah, like we said, she's a model and, and dancer. Scheduling and so, or Yeah, something? maybe she was doing something else. And this is, you know, the Pussycat Dolls were forming around this time or maybe a little bit later. So maybe she was involved in that. And so huh. yeah, it happens. Interesting. Okay. All right. I mean, she's I mean, not... I want to know how Melanie Smith did double duty with this and... She was on Seinfeld a couple times, right? I yeah, I don't remember. Um, as uh, as George's girlfriend. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I'll, the only significant other of George's that I remember is his fiance. Um, but um, I, but it's just it's 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 weird because she's not the actress that I remember playing Zial because she didn't play her the longest. Right. You know. So. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm bad with names. Who's the, the last one that you just mentioned? Melanie Smith. Melanie Smith. Like, she's the one that I remember. When I think of Zial, that's who I picture. Right. So, um, yeah. Okay, interesting. The one that was in a torrid relationship with, with Elon Garrick. 
Wow, that was really was it. That was really so proceeding hot. apace. <laughs> so passionate. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, maybe they go on some dates, but it's not like we ever see them embrace or anything he like probably that. Just gives or, her some books or even hold hands. Yeah, read this. Yeah, maybe right. Alone. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll see you for lunch. And I'll tell you all about Cardassia. Okay, all right. Yeah. Right. Lunch. Right. Uh, that happens a lot. I just. I, I have not watched DS9 in a while because yeah. I've been going through Voyager, Enterprise, and the new Trek shows. And so, it, I don't know, it, you know, it's like slipping on an old pair of shoes or, or whatever. It feels good, feels comfortable. Yeah. But I realized, like, there's there's one of these scenes in almost every episode where they're just, like, chilling out. Does anybody work on this station? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't, it's like, it's almost programmed into it. I know it's a show that features like a bar as one of its main right. sets, but I, th- I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying, I, I just remember we get to that scene where, um, Cisco is trying to talk about the Cassidy situation with, yes. uh, with Julian and Dax. And Dax. Yeah. And they're all just hanging out and then everybody kind of stops by and they're like, what's the, oh boy, you gotta say, deal with that. And, and, and it's like, yeah, there's just like, there's always like a hangout scene, you know? There's just always like a a feeling of like, they feel like a close co-workers or a family. Yeah, I I think that that's really true. And I think that that's probably even more true than like TNG. I mean, TNG, they have 10 forward, right? So there's a bar there too. Um but I don't feel like we have quite as many scenes in 10 Forward as we do at Quarks. No, and they're always designed. They're just like scenes where if we're going to talk to a non-military or diplomatic character, they they kind of get set there. Every yeah. once in a while, you have just a total hangout scene with between two characters. But it's usually because, I don't know. I mean, like, they'll they'll talk about, like, you know, there's a scene where, like, um, was it like Wesley's trying to, like, get some game? Is the Dauphin? Is that the episode where he's like um, talking to Riker and he's like, how, "How do I like you know pick up on chicks?" I mean, yeah, that sounds very familiar. Yeah, 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 yeah. But often it's just. The, I mean, and you would talk to Riker about. That, yeah, but. <laughs> but often, but often it's like a, a scene like where um, some some other character on the show is is meeting with uh, Worf's parents, you know, and they're like. <laughs> Is Worf eating okay, you know? And they're like, well, I'll tell you, like, Worf doesn't talk about you ever. And they're like, well, it was hard. Little Worf when he was growing up. And it's like, no, no, don't do any character development. This is supposed to be a fun scene. This is supposed to be a cheers scene. Cork has to come yeah, over and right. say something incredibly misogynistic. You right. Know, just to cap this off. Exactly. Which he does in this episode. Yeah. So, I do um, like that scene. I like the, the button on that scene, though, because... It all starts off with, you know, his huge mistake is that he said, well, this is a big step. Yes. You know, and then yes. they're like, oh, man, you can't, you can't believe you said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go. Okay. It is a big step. Oh, it's a real big step. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, I think it's funny. Um, but I don't know. It's interesting, too, because, like, Yes, it's a big step. And maybe this is a bigger step for for them with their specific situation, right? Yeah. Because they, you know, Deep Space Nine is their home and they all live there. But yet Cassidy, um, you know, she doesn't have quarters there. So maybe this is a bigger deal for them within their world. Me as a as a as a viewer, I'm like, She's not talking about moving in with you, Cisco. She's talking about having quarters on the station, which to me doesn't seem like 
a huge deal. I mean, I don't even think she's like saying, I'm going to move into the quarters across the hall from you. Yeah. You know, it's not even like she's saying, I'm moving in your apartment building. So I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm like, you know, yeah, you probably see her a little bit more, but I'm just trying to reframe it into like their mindset. Like, I guess maybe it's like she would see him more. So if this goes south, this has the potential to be more awkward or something like, like that. It's space. Yeah. It literally means. Right. Space. Yes. <laughs> like empty, void. Yeah. Uh, they can definitely find ways to not see each other if it right. doesn't work out. Exactly. But I think the importance of, of this, um, except for, you know, I mean, I guess this goes our main character, but I kind of resist the, you know, oh, the, the lady was like, come on, you dumb man. You yeah, know, I'm not, I don't love it. Get your head on straight. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, well, I pissed her off. I pissed my wife off. And now she's like mad at me. And that's the whole sitcom episode. Yep. It's not exactly that, but it it's it has the DNA of that. Yes. And I think if they thought a little harder, they might be able to come up with something a little different. But I think that the reason it's important is because Cisco and, and Cassidy are one of the few dating couples we have on any Trek show. That's true. Yeah, you can say Tom yeah. and Balana, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom and Balana is for the course of true love never did run straight or, or whatever it is. <laughs> like this is like a real relationship between yes. two people who are not Tom and Balana's age. They are older. They're older. And they have you know, they're they have like adult responsibilities. Yes. And, you know, Cisco's the running this war against the Klingons basically Mm -hmm. and Cassidy has a ship and a business that she has to keep running to stay alive yeah and uh, why can't she just join the Federation or something they just give you free food I I don't know (laughs) anyway she's got a small business yeah and so the fact that they have to you know they they are adults and they are they should and they're and they're direct people and they're self-possessed people they should be able to deal with this and yet they have this awkwardness and there's this like well like I like the fact yeah. that we explore that. Like, where has that been explored elsewhere in the Star Trek universe? There, that's true. Um, and and there is that. And I think he, you know, he immediately after he said what he said, you know, he feels bad about it. You know, yeah. and like yeah. he, he, like, and then we, you know, see him dealing with it for the rest of the episode and like talking to his friends about it and like, what should I do? And so you know, he's trying to. To think about it. And then at the end of the episode, he says to her, you know, I think, you know, I'm just scared because, um, which I mean, uh, you know, is a normal response. But he goes into why because of what he does and and his position with 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 Starfleet. And he sometimes gets put into these dangerous situations. And his wife died basically because of he in some ways he blames himself. You know, yeah, he says um, explicitly, you know, in the episode that his job got his his, wife, his former wife killed. Yeah, and so that is a concern. <laughs> it's like, no, Starfleet got your wife well, killed. Well, yeah. Why was she on that ship? Why right. are families on Starfleet ships? Yes, <laughs> it makes no sense. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Sue Starfleet. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you should do. We <laughs> boy, back to Dakot. Uh, I yes. don't think we've ever talked about Dakot on this show. Is that possible? So you, congratulations. Yay. In addition to being the first guest of the show, you get to be the first person to talk about the hero of Star Trek. <laughs> S.G. Ducat. Yes. 
We don't know his name. Wow. SG, really? Presumably he has a real name because Kardashians have two names. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't know. I think we just see SG, Weird. the initials on a screen or a file somewhere um, in the books, which are non-canon. Yeah. Uh, he His name is Scrain Ducat. Scrain. That just sounds evil. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think they were working overtime Sorry. on that one. Um, like Sheev Palpatine. Kind of, I'm kind of reminded. I don't know why. I mean, I guess maybe in some ways this makes sense of uh, Scorpius. Um, Scorpius. Yeah, I don't know. Scrain, Scorpius. I, I don't Scorpius know did nothing wrong. Yeah. Don't start me on Farscape. <laughs> I, I know. You'll never stop. <laughs> we should introduce these basement weirdos to Farscape and go, you want a real quote unquote bad guy who yeah. did nothing wrong and right. has a backstory. To, because Ducat comes from a life of privilege. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like he comes absolutely. from a highborn family. Yeah. He's never had to worry about where the next meal's coming from, Mm-mm. except when he was a pirate. He, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's a high position in, in the government, in the military. Yeah. Look at, look at Scorpius. They don't even compare. No, no. Poor guy. <laughs> it's half sebation. Yes. It's tough. Yes. Uh, Back to Dukat. Back to Dukat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people just really, really love him. And as you had mentioned before, you know, they did humanize him. Yes. And I think that that was important. Um, and Zial was a big part of that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this episode is huge yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah. Um, I still don't know how it works when he only saves her because he was going to kill her and her mother. Like, he's got a bullet for each of them and then just saves her anyway. And did you think that the episode, like, wrapped up a little fast? It did. They did all this yeah. great work, you know, on on um, Kira and Dukat, you know, t- having to deal with each other, yes. getting to the point where they're at. Maybe if they let some air out of the first act or like skipped a Cassidy scene or something like that, they'd have a yes. little more time they for easily done that. him to literally draw down on Seal, ready to do it. And Kira's like, no, no. <laughs> No, I'll get the butt. Yeah, right. No. Yeah, exactly. And then a weird thing that we don't really dig into, a little later we do, but Zial's like, do it. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> you know? I know. The only thing that's been keeping me alive is that you were going to come save me and now you want to shoot me, like everybody said. So, fine. I'd rather be dead than I like, know. It's like, whoa. It's super dark. I was not expecting that. Yeah. You know? But he's like, okay, I'll give you a hug then. And even like rewatch, <laughs> I know. And even rewatching it, like that's, that part is not something that I remembered. And so I, I, I it goes by like, so fast. It, I was like surprised, like rewatching it. Like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. Like I didn't, that's like such a major thing. How could I forget something like that? Yeah. I know. And then he's just like, I can't kill you. Oh, I can't kill somebody <laughs> who wants to die. I, is that what it is? That's not how my kink works. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, yeah, it, uh, I, I don't know if, if I buy it, but story-wise, you, you have to do this. Of course, you have to push him in that direction. And we get about a year out of, of, of uh, ambiguous uh, Ducat, you know, where we're not really sure if he's a yeah. good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. And of course, as soon as the Dominion shows up, he's like, I, for one, welcome off gooey overlords. Yeah, right. And, you know, that's the end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like as an anti-hero, I, I'm not sure that I ever really buy it. Buy him as an anti-hero. 
having the Klingons as adversaries, you know, leaves that space filled so we can maybe play around and do some stuff with Dukat. But I just don't, and I know you don't have the answer, but I don't see what people see. Like to me, it's like this is textbook villain who would tell you that we're not so different, you and I, you know, and yeah. it, it, but it's not is full of crap. Like he's not, he doesn't mean anything he says. And it's well, all, in, it's all to, it's all for him. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he says he wants to protect his wife and his kids. Mm-hmm. And he make he claims that there's some existential threat that like, oh, my family would be in danger if people knew about this. It's like, no, you don't want to lose your position. And you absolutely do. The one good thing that you do in your life you get you get the punishment that you deserve. Yeah. And the point is, is that good people accept that punishment, but you are all mad about it and you start looking for other things to do in a way out. Do we, I, I don't remember, I don't recall, do we ever find out what happens with his wife once she finds out about it? Or is he, I mean... I don't remember. I can't That's remember either. That's another classic question. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> because it's like... I'm sure she's not happy about it. No, but I don't remember them like separating or getting a divorce, but maybe they Well, do. she's certainly not with him on the bird of prey when he's cruising around. Well, that's true. She might have cut him loose in some ways. So, I mean, I think <laughs> so that's... I want to see. I want to see Dukat living at like Bachelor Flats, you know, and he's just ha- hanging out by the pool. I know, right? Hey. My, is he, is my he... wife left me. <laughs> Can you believe that? Want to crush some brewskis? Yeah, later? right. Um, I got a great sound system. <laughs> Join me. Does he like? I don't remember. Does he like dress like a Klingon too? Because that would be really hilarious. <laughs> he just like delves headfirst into yeah. it. That's uh, I did. I like uh, his uh, his when they wear the Breen costumes in this. Yes, uh, it's good storytelling because. We get it. Plus, th- this is another thing that makes me think that they were really out of time or maybe just didn't have, couldn't be on the location for that long. But like, th- they immediately cut to like, oh, they're in disguise. We don't see them. We don't, we don't need to see like, yeah. clunk, and then no, some green right, feet right, right. are dragged behind a rock. We don't see that at all. No, we just cut right to it. And but I they mean, must have found like a six and a half foot tall Breen and like a four nine Breen. I know. <laughs> like, how do they find the exact Breen? Yes. And I always thought that like Breen, whenever we see them, they always seem to be really tall. So how did you, they find you like cut, a Kira yeah. size Breen? You cut down and like her sleeves and, and uh, pant legs are like rolled way up. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, as far as cutting corners goes, I feel like I'm more okay with that than like, like the ending, like you said. Like it just de- seems super rushed when they, they finally get to meet ZL. And then even again, when we we have the kind of like Danu Ma scene on um, when they're back at the station. Yeah. It's like, can we have a little bit? I mean, we, we've built this thing so up. Like, let's actually show the climax a little bit more and the, the, the Danu Ma a little bit more. And it was all designed, Robert Hewitt-Wolf had said that it was all designed to to do this exact thing to mm. give not to make him a good guy but to give Dakot some depth you know give him a cuz his place his place in the show changes so much when you think about um this is the first like real long running villain that we've had on a Star Trek show yes and oh sorry villain what's character what's a character yeah uh, <laughs> and so but he keeps his position keeps shifting and it's part partly because of you know the the political situation and the way that the um, situation in the in the Bajoran sector keeps changing. Yes, but it's also him like tap dancing and like scuttling, you know, like a like a cockroach and just surviving because that's one of his like real traits. Um, 
So like just keeping him in the mix, but also like also maybe planting like phantom seeds for like a connection or a relationship between him and Kira. Yeah. And having that yes. line at the end where he's like, oh, I'll, I'll let you know, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Um, I think. And I don't yeah. know if they ever made any real plans for that. I know that Mark Alima would have really liked that. Yes. But 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 both I, I think I receive and Baron and uh not none of visitor have both been like that never would have happened. <laughs> like I I think so I remember from the the DS9 uh documentary like him saying something along the lines of like oh I you know he liked Kira and I wish they could have gotten together or something like that and then they like cut to her and she's like not amused. No, no. Um <laughs> It's like, maybe you're a little too keen on this idea. But I mean, I think that fits with his character, though, because I I was trying to remember because he's a super Bajoran weeb. Yes. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And I was trying to remember, um, is this the first? Do you know? Maybe you don't know. And so maybe I shouldn't even ask this question. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble again. is this the first episode where we kind of see an inkling of that? Or have we seen... I think so. Okay. I think so. It's the okay. first episode where they really spend like, the most time together, isn't it? I think so. They have the long long car ride. Yeah. Uh, which, like, that that's something else. Just calling out, like, staples of DS9. The, the long, uncomfortable runabout scene. It's yes. something that the show goes back to over and over again. And it's so well done that I didn't even notice it until now until I took a, a kind of a long break from DS9 and came back there I can think of so many scenes yeah where it's Odo and and Wayun or it's Kira and Dukat you know it, yes. it, it's always they're always plugging their way to somewhere and then it's like well I guess we have to talk because we're just yeah. sitting here right, right, like, right. Yeah, you never wanted to ah, but you did this and yeah but I mean that totally makes sense in 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 DS9 because they're they're a space station, right? And yeah. it's not until they get the Defiant where they have like a bigger ship. And it's all it's all character. Yeah, yes. they, they get shot down sometimes, you know, or somebody attacks the runabout or whatever. But like in Voyager, if you're in the Delta Flyer, it's just going to be uh, color uh, commentary um, dialogue uh, until they're attacked by whatever the thing is. Yes. But that scene is always like specifically set for this is going to be a character conversation that's going to push, you know, the situation forward is going to up the tension is going to drive a character one way or the other. Like that's, that's what that set is for. Absolutely. This is number two Kira hair for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's number one. I don't even know what you'd call this, but it's the sort of um, short, just sort of like teased kind of feathered kind of look. Number one is the, um, is the sort of uh, longer from season seven, the, Kind of the finger, kind of finger wave type thing that she had, yeah. Oh, that was fun. I liked that too. Yeah, um, she had some good looks. I do. I mean, track they do try to do this. I mean, I guess it's one way of them telling time and like how a character changes, right? Like especially with the a lot of the the female <laughs> characters, they change what, like, their hair <laughs> from different seasons. So. Levar Burton's trying to grow a beard, and they're like, shave the beard. Yeah, He's I know, like, right? I don't want to shave the beard. Yeah. Jordan LaForge doesn't have a beard. And then it's apparently. Gone. Yeah, apparently. Who cares? <laughs> Let it go, man. Well, what didn't they like they didn't want Cisco to have like a a, a I, goatee or anything? What was the that, story behind that? Or is know, that just myth? No, it's not it's not a myth. You know, yeah. he he rose to fame uh yeah. playing a character named Hawk yeah. on Spencer for Hire. 
a character who had a shaved head and a goatee. Yeah. And this is before goatees were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about shaved heads, but... And um, they just didn't want to people to associate him with that character. But it's Interesting. like, you're hiring him on the strength of playing the badass hawk. Yeah. So the only good thing that you get out of it is you get a progression of the character, I guess, in his look from being kind of a dorky single dad right. to being like a badass at the end. Uh, who's murdering Romulan senators and whatnot, the hero. Uh, But yeah, but but up to that point, they're like, no, don't do it. And then eventually they're like, all right, just do it. I know, right? Just do it. (laughs) But even then they're still transitioning because he grows the beard in and everybody on board is like, oh, okay, cool. Right. (laughs) But then at some point it's like, no, no, get the blue crystal out. I'm going to do the whole, whole head. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's fine. Um, that's so silly. I, I, I just, I mean, I guess I understand where they're coming from, but I, I just, it's it's hard for me to, um, I, I wouldn't just be like, oh, he's just playing that character, you know, because he has a very similar look. I, that wouldn't be like the first thing that I would think. Um, when you hire Will Smith, you want like, ha 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 ha. Right. Like you, you're, that's what you're trying to get, right? Yes. If he came in with like, shoulder length dreads i'd be like <laughs> what know? is happening right like, now we, we, no we didn't want you know uh ziggy marley we, we wanted will smith right right show us like, the abs like what was it? oh no i don't have abs anymore i, I really like ice cream so can uh, we just do it like this <laughs> who who was it you were telling me was it was it ryan gosling who was <laughs> not star trek but yeah okay. i know the lovely bones role yeah yeah. yeah, he got hired to play the dad in The Lovely Bones, directed yeah. by Peter Jackson. And without really talking to Peter Jackson, he decided that the character would be... Because he's Ryan Gosling, we all know, The Notebook, whatever. Right. But he thought like the guy would be like good-looking, but he'd gone to seed because the, the character's depressed and right. is reaching middle age. And so he gained like almost 100 pounds in the months after he had gotten the job, before he showed up on set. And he just went nuts. He stopped doing any exercise. He would get cans of uh, canisters of um, Hagen Dazs, let them melt, and then drink the ice cream every so day. So gross. And so he so shows up on set, you know, and he's a hundred pounds overweight. And Peter Jackson's like, "What are you doing, Maine? <laughs> what happened?" And then they uh, fired him and hired Mike Mark Wahlberg. So that tells you, like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's what you wanted. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. Dad's ripped. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to kill your daughter, bro. <laughs> you be careful. I'm depressed, but I'm, <laughs> I'm doing I'm reps. I'm depressed, but yeah. But I'm getting up at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, right. Prayer. Prayer and workout. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um. We got to talk. Uh, Speaking of working out your muscles, mm. there's muscles in your butt. We got to talk. We got to talk the ow my butt scene. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> what? What is going on? I mean, I think it's clearly what it is to me is like there is so much tension. Yeah. Uh, so we got to throw a joke in there. No. So. Uh, yeah, clearly. It's, it's that idea of somebody that you love or hate like you know them so well and you've just been through everything with them over and over again and you don't and then you fought through some accident or just some something somebody says or does or something you see like you reach a new dimension in your your relationship that mm-hmm. sort of cuts attention but why him g- getting something in his butt 
And then he and then he rubs something on his butt and he's like, oh, my butt. Like, why? Why that? <laughs> this is your hero. Because clearly they want to humiliate him. Yeah. They want to show that he is ridiculous. Yeah. So do the people who write these online screeds, do they just go, it never happened. That was a Kira was dreaming. That was a dream. They were in that cave sleeping. She dreamt that that wow. happened. Wow, I don't think I don't know how they could. How do they say square that? that? I don't know. Their manly Cardassian hero. Oh my butt! Oh, something <laughs> in my butt! But doesn't this, like you were saying, like doesn't this make him more human? And like, he has a butt. Well, and things are because he's well, and he's like being he's being dumb because he doesn't know how to use the uh, dermal regenerator. I guess I don't and, know. And like, it's funny to it. It's. I think maybe what they were thinking is, what is a situation we can put these two characters in where something funny happens, but it's somehow, you know, and they decided it was going to be something embarrassing that happens to Jakai. Because if this happened to Kira, I don't think it would be as funny. Um, Like the same scene, but... Kira. I think it's funnier because it's it's Ducat and he's like I'm in control and I'm you know all the time um, but like I think it's because it's like what what is the situation we can put them in that is something that's gonna throw both of them for a loop but they're both gonna think it's funny he's also okay I don't know if I believe anything that you said but oh, okay uh, but I, <laughs> I, I I picked up on one thing that you said which is it would be different if it happened to Kira. And I think that Kira would just be really mad and she'd be embarrassed. And embarrassed. And maybe and think, he'd think it was funny, but she'd be really mad at But him I think it says funny. something about the lack of empathy and the lack of self introspection that a character like and I'm including real world world characters, uh, Ducat has. In that, to him, it's just like, oh, I got hurt. Oh, something's in my butt. And then it's like, oh, this what a funny situation this is. Uh-huh. Oh, we had a good laugh there. That was amusing. At, I'm going to kill my daughter tomorrow is in his mind the whole time. Like, yeah. it just doesn't... He just thinks about the awful things that he needs to do and he's going to do, and it doesn't affect him. Whereas Kira is our good person. I love that the show opens and we see her observing. You know, like, we often see Kira... Um, praying, meditating, practicing yeah. her religion on the show. And we open yes. that way. And we know that Kira is a good person. And yet she is like the most stressed out person on the show who is so tightly wound that she's going to snap at almost yeah. anything. Like if something goes in her butt, forget about it. <laughs> and she, and by the end of the show, she's not that. I mean, she does snap and say, like, hey, how's your, Damar, how's your dead family? Like, she does right. get a little mean sometimes. But yes. by the end, she's just so conditioned and so ready for all the things that they have to do. Um, but yeah, but just like rewinding to this time, like the fact that he's just, oh, there's something in my butt. Oh, well, that's going to be a good one for the journal. <laughs> As I place it, you know, my daughter and and, uh, and uh, her mother's uh, earrings next to it. I know. You know, it's just like... <laughs> well, I think that especially after, um, you know, the scenes leading leading up to the Ow My Butt scene, you know, like, they, 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 they find the shipwreck ship and, um, you know, Kira wants to help him, um, you know, dig up the bodies so they can uh, figure out who everyone is. There's some juice in those bodies. 
yeah, probably. It was weird. It, yeah. When he's the, the things that he gets out of the the little cairns, like you'd think it would just be like, oh, I'll get some bones from a Halloween store or something like that. Or something. Why depict it at all? But there's like red, red spines and things in there. It's like, whoa, you guys. It's, it's dark. I but mean, even six years later, they would just be brownish, right? It would just be. I would it, think they're, so. They're making it kind of, uh, kind of gibby. Yeah, right. And I mean, I, I don't think that Cardassian bodies are that different from human bodies. Well, you can have a child with, with a Bajoran. Yeah, I know. But like, um, but yeah, he makes a big deal about how their burial rights are different and how it wouldn't be right for her to, you know, being a non-Cardassian to assist with that, it's like, Which is, is that, even is that, true? is that true? Or is that something that he's just saying? Yeah. But if it's not true, wouldn't Kira know that? So, but she just kind of accepts it, you know? Yeah. But he just, but she gets the information on her own end by going through the computer. Yes. Uh, on the ship. Yes. But yeah, just the way that he uses things, like he knows that Kira will respect that idea. He knows how to manipulate the situation. And so that's what he says. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing on her, her sympathies. Yes. Um, he's just so slimy. He's very slimy. His argument that the occupation, the occupation helped Bajor. Oh, oh my God. Oh yeah. It's so the, disgusting. The murders or the strip mining. Which one was the, the real right, help there? Right, right, Like, <laughs> I think it made you stronger and better yeah. people. It's like, you are like, I mean, what do you even say to that? Like in reaction to that? Like, I can't. I can't even. Well, I for can't all my talk talking about her being tightly wound, I mean, she she navigates that well. She like, does she navigate knows, it well. Yeah. Um, and she, I think she pretty, you know, she she's she um she's pretty good about, uh, you know, setting up boundaries with him too. Like yeah. like yeah. like okay, we are done talking for now. We have to work together, you know, but we are not talking about this anymore I, mean, yeah. I don't have to be friends with you and and she you know she makes it clear too like maybe yeah, Bajor, Bajor and Cardassia will will be allies someday but you and me uh-uh yeah right that is never gonna happen yeah when they remember the episode where Kira finds the orb of very specifically traveling in time and uh <laughs> goes back to you know meet her mother yes uh, when she's um I mean, like, I know they're supposed to be like, like comfort women, basically, but like, she's kind of decided. I'm not saying that she fully wanted to do it, but she has basically decided to do this. She's come to terms with it. Yeah. Yeah. She's come to terms with it. She's accepted it. Um, And she's basically like dating his, that basically makes him kind of Kira's dad. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like at that point, they must have decided like, okay, we're not going to do, we're not going to go forward with any like romance or, or relationship between them. But if they already, he knew. Yeah, he knows who who Kira is, yes. who Kira Nerys is. He did know. So he's like, yes. oh, your mom was hot. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. aren't enough things in this guy's butt. I know. Oh my god. We need some things in the butt related torture for this guy. Oh my gosh. Terrible. I know. I know. He's gross. Um. Do you think that he really liked um, the Kai Wen? Um. Ducat is delusional enough that I could see him convincing himself that he did. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes to get the mission done. He he is, you know, he is playing this role 
That's what that's what that's what uh, that Garrick did. Yeah, right, 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 right. Garrick, he would do whatever it took. Yeah, right. To complete the mission. Yes. Even if it was clearly being gay. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, oh, internet. I mean, is is it? I don't know. If you could argue that Ducat is this is maybe horrible. Uh, such a uh, Bajoran weeb that like he becomes a Bajoran. He does become a Bajoran, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. But he's not like, finally. <laughs> no, he's not. Mm, so it's kind of like, good. I don't know. My neck lighter. Feels, my neck feels, feels so lighter. But he, right. But he does like Bajoran women and Kaiwin is a very powerful Bajoran women. Yeah, that's true. So why the heck not? Um, There's still that apocalypse to think about, though. Yeah, I know. Gotta do that. Yeah. I Once mean, a character I think he gets, had a mission, for yeah. sure. Once a character gets possessed... It sort of, uh, that's kind of the end of like their character development, right? Yeah. Until they're free. And we know they are from possession because Kiro's possessed, you know, that, in that one episode. Yeah. But like, we, he, they're always around. So he's like doing stuff, but it's at the behest of the Paw Wraiths. And so his, he could still make choices, I guess. But all of his choices are like, well, I mean, he's just doing all this to, to open up the fire caves or whatever. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, his... Once he kills Dax, like I think that's kind of the end of his character arc. Yeah, I was. But he chooses to kill Dax. I, I know. Well, you know he's possessed then too. I don't know. I I mean Plus I know. Plus he kills Dax. I know. Hold on, let me let me see if they mention Dax in any of these articles about how he's such right. a hero. I mean, I know that the actress wanted off of the show. Well, for, okay, for reasons. Look, t- it's we're doing text, not subtext. I, I know, but <laughs> I I I was not happy about that. I was not happy about that at all. Um, well, they kill Zial. They're like, a major character is going to die. And they kill Zial. And people are like, oh, boy. Wow, that's, uh, that's a real shame. <laughs> and then they like actually kill a character we care about. I, I mean, I wasn't happy about Zial's death either because she's so... I mean, talk about killing a freaking innocent, you know? I mean, she just was like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed towards the world. And yeah, her dad's Ducat, but she has no control over that. Yeah, and Ducat's like, no, I'll I'll find somebody to blame this on. I know yeah, I will. Yeah, exactly. Right, and get revenge because that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, is there anything you can think of that we haven't talked about uh, in this episode? Indiscretion. Um, Don't be discreet. I guess one other thing I wanted to mention about going back to how Ducat gave Kira a hard time about how this mission is personal for her. Um. You know, and then it turns out that's the main reason why he's there. Like, I think, like, another thing to her credit, she never points that out and she never makes a big deal about it. Hmm. You know, she's never like, wait a minute, this is personal for you, too. You were giving me a hard time and no, 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 She just, <laughs> she doesn't do that. Yeah. She's not, she's not, um, at least in this instance, she's, she's not, um, she's not petty. She's not, you know what I mean? Like she's not, um, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting parallel because we've got that with Kira and him again, kind of abbreviated into the episode. Yes. So her friend's just dead. Yes. It's right, not right, like right. he's there, but he can't leave or he's killed helping them escape. You know, she's like, oh, I knew that to the end he was my friend or whatever. Like, he's just dead because we can't deal with that. But it is very personal for her. Um, but she's not going to kill anybody. <laughs> and then it's like no, totally personal for him. I also like the idea that you've got on one side, you've got Ducat, a guy who cannot keep it in his pants. His, his tight leather pants. Yeah. And 
he's completely unfaithful and he's even going to commit murder to take care of some of his unfaithfulness. Right. And meanwhile, you've got on the station, Commander Sisko, excuse me, Captain Sisko, Mm -hmm. who is trying to kind of woo this new girlfriend and is afraid to enter into a relationship with her because of his responsibilities, because he doesn't want to put her in danger. And all he's doing is thinking about this other person to the point where... He, I mean, he's just honestly, he's not thinking it would have been nicer to have said something better than it's a big step, but he's just yes. being honest. He's like, for me, this is a big step. Now this he, is terrifying. He has problems admitting his fear, but he's yeah. afraid. He's afraid for her. He's afraid for their relationship and all this. And he's thinking about her. And all Ducata's thinking is just <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> yeah, I know. I so it's a, it's a contrast between, <sighs> you know, both of our our heroes here, uh, Kira yeah. and Cisco. Uh, with the antagonist of the show, yeah, S.G. Decant, <laughs> Screen Decant. Uh, we did it. Yes, get this thing out of our butts. We're Ow. done. Rub the thing on it. Get it's the over. Turn on first. <laughs> well, uh, we've talked before on the show about your space dad being Picard, and yes. your favorite Picard episode being the Inner Light. Has that changed at all? I still think that Picard is um, my favorite in maybe it is because he is the diplomat. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, just also because he was my first captain, it's hard to, um, I mean, like I think we've talked about on the show even that, you know, all the captains, I like all the captains yeah. for, for like different reasons, you know? Yeah, it'd be... <sighs> Yeah, it would suck to hate a captain, wouldn't it? Oh my gosh, that would be the worst. I hate evil Captain Lorca. Yeah. But I bet I'd really like Prime Lorca. Probably. It's it's weird. It I, I'd like to see a show where, well, I don't love Captain Freeman. Yeah. Um, But I mean, she hasn't, we haven't seen her just do a lot of stuff yet. No, we uh, On Lower Decks. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, does the captain, that's a good question. Here's my question that I um, thought up months ago. <laughs> Does the captain have to be likable for the show to work? I think that in the realm of Star Trek, they think the answer is yes. Oh, they clearly think the answer is yes. Yeah. Do you think the answer is yes? I think it is possible to do without them being likable. But I think if you do that, you have to do something like they did with Discovery and then not make them the main protagonist. Yeah. Well, I think that they... Having him, you know, masquerade as the real Lorca, but then be a right. real, a real hard a ass, real jerk. is yeah. that's the closest they got. I mean, yes. like, that's what they were doing. Yes. But then they immediately replaced him with like, oh, uh, how many how many marshmallows you want in your cocoa? Yeah, Crew? I'm the original space cookies dad. for everybody. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so they just flipped the completely different way. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Who do you I, think will be? Do we know yet who the captain is for Discovery season? No, three? I've seen. Um, I've seen people talking about uh, like zooming in on Saru's badge and seeing an extra pip there. So I don't know. I would really like to see Saru. Be I'd captain. like to see him do more stuff. Well, yes. I think he really that fell too. to the wayside in the second half of the second season when they were just doing all that Iron Man stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was hard. It's hard not to. Yeah, but anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think you could have that. I mean, and, and not evil necessarily, but oh, Jellico. There you go. But th- then again, right? Number two posts, Jellico was right. Jellico right. knew what he was doing. Right. It, look, he put 
Deanna Troy in a real uniform. And right. now she looks professional. Yeah. This guy knows what he's talking about. And in the depiction, Ronnie Cox is great. And I, and I like the idea of the character. But we never get any proof that anything that he says or does is worth anything. He goes, because mm-hmm. Captain Picard has talked down a million aliens from a million ledges. And he goes in, he's like, okay, listen up, Riker. This is what we're going to do. We're going to wait, make him wait 15 minutes. Then I'm going to go in and go, this coffee's cold and I'm going to storm out and you're going to look like, huh? and then you're going to go out after me. And he's like, why would we do that, sir? Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, right. it's all a tactic. It's all a tactic. Right. We don't know that that tactic ever really works. No. By the time like we get to the end of the episode, they've like, like basically invaded like this secret facility, right? And they're going to pick up a card. And then Jellico just asks the other captain like, hey, uh, can you give us the ball guy back? And that's like, that's all that he really does. Otherwise, he's like, I need four shifts. I need him right now. I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. <laughs> he's just like, he talks the talk, but does he walk the walk? Or like, does anything that he do, does carry a weight? I don't know. It? I think it works. He's, yeah. he's unlikable and people love him. So Yeah. Okay. All right. So there you go. Proof <sighs> okay. that it works. Question answered. <laughs> uh, on our ship, you are working in the turbo lift department. Some side duties in engineering. How's yes, that going? Yes, fantastic. Ha- have I... you been keeping away from Jordy, uh, or have they been keeping Jordy away from you? Yes. <laughs> uh, I think I found out last week that he uh, made a version of me in the holodeck. I was not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, um, for appearing on this show, uh, you re- receive a promotion to the rank of lieutenant commander. So now that you are equal in rank with Jordy... Uh, that's probably some kind of like offense, like some court martialable offense. You're not even yeah. a subordinate anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple warp core breaches and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm trying to keep uh, at least six feet between me and Jordy. What's in this Coco no-no? <laughs> well, Commander Miganana, thanks for joining me to talk about Star Trek and the Star Trek universe. If people want to continue the conversation, and they can at at EISDpod on Twitter and the Enterprising Individuals Facebook page, where can people find you online? Yeah, I'm uh, at justenoughtrope.com and at Mikanhana on Twitter. Great. And then we talked about finding uh, Sailor Noob at noob underscore sailor on Twitter as well. And Instagram. Yep. And Instagram. Great. Yes. Well, thanks again for joining me. We're signing off until the next mission. Hailing frequencies closed. And I'm Caliban. And we're the hosts of the Sailor Noob Podcast. I'm the expert. And I'm the noob. You're talking into the wrong end of the microphone. Aye, aye. Okay. Every week we watch a new episode of Sailor Moon and learn about monsters, fashion, food, culture, and of course, the sailor warrior of love and justice, Sailor Moon. All right. Now, what is her rank? Is she an admiral or a rear admiral? Okay, shh, shh. The ad's almost over. We're a couple of magical people, and every week we moon prison power make up a new episode. Better midships. Study as she goes. Please stop that. Sailor Noob is available every Friday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Shiver me timbers. Daddy.